0: I'm going to boldly and fearlessly take a crack at the topic of judgment where I have been studying, researching, and praying about this particular fault slash skill, if you will, that our humanity naturally gravitates to. Like, judgment is a part of the human experience. Let's talk about how to do it how to not do it what it means where it comes from what's going on all of that i'm really excited like i said i've been just really fixated on this idea of judgment because i lived in this very fearful shy approach of life where i was like oh my gosh i'm i'm judging all of these people and i'm not trying to hurt them i'm not trying to make myself sound better but yeah i'm like making objective judgments and i'm I'm making some objective viewpoints about their life the state of their being the um condition of their heart like what what's going on with their life right how do i unpack this how do i know if i'm at fault how do i know what i'm doing is holy I'm this Christian person to people. My job is called director of ministry and I'm judging people like just trying to digest it all. And none of us want to hurt people with what our judgments are saying. But like I said, making observant, objective judgments is a part of our humanity. So I'm going to teach you how to do it from the man who mastered it himself, Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus, you don't like Jesus or you don't have it in you to listen to this Bible verse that I'm going to reference another time in your life, give me a chance. I promise you won't be disappointed. So chances are if you grew up in a Christian or Catholic household, you went to Catholic school, essentially you don't live under a rock. Like there's like three gospel stories that kind of make their way in the morality of the universe. They all should be considered for the morality of our entire world and the generations to come. But there are like a few that take rank and precedence, one of them being the Good Samaritan, the other being the Prodigal Son. And then there's just room for like the others to filter in and out, right? Like some people know others and some people don't. But I would guess that the third one is Jesus is popular speech homily ted talk if you will on judging others so this is in the book of matthew chapter seven again don't let me quoting scripture like deter you from this conversation i promise you this is going to be so good and what's really funny is like we're we just don't want to hear Like, some people hear the gospel and they're like, oh, I don't want to listen to this again. Like, whatever. I just heard this story so many times in my life. So have I. I really have. But the fact that this keeps coming up in my life, I've been able to look at it differently. And I'm so excited to look at it differently that I'm sharing that with you. And if you can't tell from my voice, wow, you just need to, like, wake up a little bit. But anyway, um, it's so funny, though, because when I was recording the intro, the little background music, which I'm obsessed with little background music, if you couldn't tell from other episodes, The background music of the intro that you just listened to was called Compton. And I was cracking up to myself because I'm like, this gospel verse is like the straight out of Compton version of the gospel because Jesus and his gang of disciples is like stirring up this controversy with this brutally honest depiction of life. And like, that's exactly what... The hip hop artists were doing in the movie straight out of Compton. So, like, I'm super excited about this. We're already on a good note just because that little jingle was called Compton. And the brutally honest reality of judging others is something that we need to talk about, especially from a Christian perspective. And if you disagree, I don't know what your problem is. <laughs> okay, so a couple of verses. I've been praying a lot about the idea of judgment because as someone who works in ministry, as someone who publicly puts on social media and in my personal life and in my private life um, an importance, a foundation, and just like an overall love of Christianity and, and a, more so a love of Jesus. I shouldn't say a love of Christianity. Institutions are institutions, but a person is a person. I do. I love the person of Jesus Christ. And last year, this time last year, I was in love with Jesus Christ as the gentle, merciful man who heals people, who loved the woman at the well who describes the prodigal father and, and how much the prodigal father will run to the son, embrace him, put a robe around him, make him dinner, and just be celebrating his life because he was lost and now he's found. The mercy of Jesus, the mercy of God the Father. This summer, Jesus is doing something new in me because I am all about... His brutally honest sermons. So there's two gospel stories that have stuck out to me all summer, and they keep coming up in the books that I'm reading, the talks that I'm listening to, the conferences I'm going to, all of that. And that's how you know, like, God's doing something in your life, because if the same things keep coming up, you better open your ears and start listening. It's it's some good stuff for you in your life, right? Okay, so here we go. So set the stage. Here we go. Jesus is talking to his posse of people, not only just his disciples, but the other people that he want, he knew were following him, and they wanted to go out into the world and be just like him. They carry his truth and his spirit along for the journey of life. And he said, as you go about into the world, this is what Jesus said, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Now, most people, from their taboo definition of Christianity, would be like, um, I get the innocent as doves part, but as shrewd as snakes. Well, wasn't the devil a snake? All that stuff, whatever. Um, Jesus was very cunning, and the reason he was cunning was because he had a goal, and the goal was discernment. And and the, the goal was discernment and to love people. That's obvious, but I'm, I have to keep saying that because it is so true. And I have to say that in an episode about judgment. His goal, though, to combine both of them was to discern how to love people well. And part of that involves knowing that you're going to deal with some wicked people and you can be shrewd as snakes with them. Why? Because he goes on to say, Do not give dogs what is holy. Do not throw your pearls at the pigs. They will trample them under their feet and in return attack you. And it took me a really long time to understand what this meant. But oh my gosh, it's so true. And all of my ladies out there listening to this who have those disgusting ex-boyfriends who treated you like shit, I'm sorry to say the word on my podcast, <laughs> really don't know where that came from, but you know that you are as exquisite, as dignifying, as as worthy of love, as beautiful as pearls... And we've had those relationships where we've given over our beauty, our abundance, our wifey qualities to these guys who are pigs. And what did they do? They trampled on us. They attacked us, not literally, although some of you, maybe domestically, domestic violence is a real thing. I'm praying for you. Right? Like this is the reality is that we are of this beauty and this inheritance and this glory and... And this goodness, had to put that in there, and we're giving that to these pigs. And Jesus is like, I never expected you to give your beauty over to someone who could not handle it. And in the same breath, I do not expect, I expect you to go into this world and love people. Like, I expect you to go into this world and learn how to function and deal with and associate with those guys who are pigs, but that doesn't mean that you have to love them in this all-consuming, passionate, romantic relationship. To love a, a pig well, I'm just going to keep going with it, is to know where you stand with them. They don't get certain access to your body, your emotions, or whatever. They don't even get to call you their girlfriend, but you can still love them well either at a distance, far, 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 far away, far away (laughs) or you can just be their sister quote-unquote and treat them with that dignity that 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 they deserve and they respect and that you can love them with but again not romantically the christian teaching of judgment really boils down to this fact that like Jesus is like, I. you have been given this God-given ability to discern. You have this conscience, this mind, and this capacity to be human, which means you can treat people as cunning as snakes because they're doing that to you. They're capable of being cunning with you, so you're capable of doing it back at them. But you're also capable of engaging with a person based off of the condition of their heart. And that's really what it comes down to. Because the reason Jesus himself was cunning and he had to make all these bold claims was because, you have to remember, like Jesus was alive during a time of Roman colosseums and, and crucifixions and public humiliations. And it literally says in Scripture a lot of times, people approach Jesus to try to trick him. People ask Jesus questions to try to trick him up. And there's countless stories of people trying to do that. And Jesus is like, I'm not excluded from that, and neither are you. And I've given you the gift of my spirit, which means you will love people so well, but do not give to dogs what is holy. Do not throw your pearls before the pigs because they will trample on them. And this is the beautiful... The beautiful witness of Christianity that says, you know, there is something wrong about judging people if you're self-righteous about it. That you're condemning them... You don't look at your own conscience, right? That whole idea of Jesus saying, when you judge someone, make sure you're doing it with the measure that you measure yourself. So most of the time, and this is where you have to do your own discernment, you're judging people based off the qualities that you possess. So if you know you're a really good gift giver or you know you're a really good friend and your friend's not measuring up. To the level of giving and receiving of love that you level up that you you're capable of right like there's room for you to quote unquote objectively judge that and be able to make a, a sincere objective judgment that says oh like I know what a real good friend does in this situation and that person didn't do it right like that's the judgments we can make by evaluating our own heart And then evaluating the moments of the other person. So again, the way that you evaluate your heart, the standards that you have for being Christ-like, the standards that you have for being a good person should be the same posture that you evaluate another person and that in and of itself is the judgment that we're taking because we're naming things accurately, we're perceiving it, we're pondering it, we're considering it, but we're not by any means being self-righteous about it where we're refusing to look at our own conscience and just judging that person. I lived like that back in high school I've come a long way in my own examination of conscience, and that keeps growing. So another thing that I'll throw in here is if you're not practicing a monthly, weekly, sometimes you need it daily, examination of your conscience, that is, what were your intentions, what are your desires, and seeking out these behaviors that are sinful, um, you can't really, like, grow in your ability to judge until you've judged yourself first so you might need a season of life to do that that's okay i've been there um but that's this is the other essential role of christianity is jesus teaches us how to judge well and he says i've given you this capacity to love so now the discernment becomes how do i love this person well and how do i know the difference between good and evil And a lot of that comes from your ability to sense if a person is sincere in their words with you, if they embody compassion when they speak with you, they embody this empathy, they're attuned to you, they take a posture of interest in your life. That's like a sincere good. That means that person is probably you know, operating out of good intentions for you. An evil person, so to speak, and I don't really like using that words, but for biblical references, you know, good versus evil kind of thing. The other person who's the other person who's evil speaks and it's empty. They can say the right things. They can even apologize. They can even admit where they were wrong. But you know in your heart of hearts in your own God-given conscience, and your goodness, that there's a sense of emptiness in their words. There's a void in their speaking. And a lot of times we forget, because we're not reading our Bibles like the good Christians we were called to be, and I'm guilty of this as well, that a lot of prayers in the Psalms and in the Proverbs are judgments. They're telling you how to spot the difference between the good and the evil. And this is where reading scripture gets so important in our lives. And this is where I've been, like, so shocked. Like, I'm shocked that I'm seeing all of this in the books and the readings and the Christian Catholic priests that I'm listening to on these YouTube videos that I keep coming across. But then I'm like, no, like, I'm just not reading my Bible. It really has been that clear for these 2,000 years. I'm just late to the party. So again, you want to name and identify the thing that you know a person's capable of, a way that you know that this person's not willing to love you to the extent that you deserve, right? And to take that, and that's your judgment, And you know if you can tell that person or not. You know if you're dating that person, you can bring it to the light and share with them their shortcoming or the thing that you're noticing. Because that's the goal of our relationships is to point those things out. But then the goal after that is, is this person going to get it and move with it? and make changes and show up differently for me and again back to my ladies and all of those past relationships where you've had those moments where you're objectively making these judgments about the guy you're dating and the behaviors that he have and you're like he just doesn't get it like he's just I've told him eight times like he's not changing his heart he's not showing up differently for me that's a good judgment and a good indication to get The heck out. All right. So we've been there. Like, we know what that's like. We know when a person's like that. So therefore, our love for them has to look differently. And now we have to show up differently. And decisions about the relationship have to be made. And this is what it means to be a Christian. This is the idea of judgment that you're not judging someone to say you're better or more superior than them. But you're like, this is the state of life they're at. This is their ability to love me. And especially if you've been in a relationship with someone for a long time, you get that ebb and flow of what they're capable of and what they're not. You have the ability to take in that that data and make an experiment. Not an experiment, but you take in that data and you write the conclusion of what is going on, right? It's not a science experiment, but I'm using that metaphor. Um, And then you realize... I'm supposed to engage with this person differently based off what they can or cannot give and receive in in their ability to love me. And the other thing is, when it comes to judgments, um, there's this fear that we will humiliate someone because of what we're saying about who they are as a person, and this was my biggest struggle when I was thinking about my own judgments and the, um, the things that I'm thinking about um, in terms of other people. I'm like, I don't want to humiliate them. I don't want to speak poorly of them. I don't want to, like, put them down. So, you know what? I'll just handle it. Like, you know, they're wounded, whatever. I can deal with it. But actually, Jesus was as shrewd as a snake but as innocent as a dove. So in that innocence of, I don't want to publicly humiliate someone, he actually called people out and he was like, I'm not doing this to do whatever. I'm actually calling out this disruptive behavior because I know the truth and I know what will actually set people free and you're misleading them. So again, like in these moments of your life where you know the shortcomings of another person and you don't want to publicly humiliate them, again, you engage with that person based off what they're capable of taking in. So, essentially, if someone is publicly humiliating Jesus, he did publicly humiliate them back. There were so many times he, like, people were, crowds were following him, and he would turn around and be like, you're a hypocrite, what are you saying? That is not truth. There were other times where people would come up to him and be like, Actually, the law says that we're not allowed to heal people on the Sabbath, and Jesus was like, oh, really? And then would, like, heal someone on the Sabbath. So he knew whether these people were genuinely interested about the teachings of what a good Christian life looks like, or if they were publicly humiliating him, and he clapped back. He snapped back and he was like, you go in public humiliate me. I'm going to do it right back to you. But as innocent as a dove and convicted on the authority of truth that he stood on. So for some of us, we want to clap back. We want to snap back at these people. But we don't either believe we have the authority or we don't know the authority. So again, you don't know the full truth of how to get back at this person. But you know they're hurting you. And that was a lot of my... Um, especially in my high school years and then early college years, you want to debate people on the faith or you want to debate people on like a certain topic in the world. And you don't have all the teachings yet. You just don't have the full understanding yet. And your conscience knows that this person's trying to publicly humiliate you. But you can take that innocent as doves comment and just be like, Hey, I don't appreciate you calling me out to people right now. And while I might not have all the answers, you know, we're going to stop talking or whatever. So it's this ability to just get back at people in the way that they engage with us because it's not sinful. It's not unholy. You know, am I dealing with a person who genuinely has questions, who genuinely wants to understand, who genuinely wants to get to know me? Or are their motives selfish? Are their motives to humiliate me? Are they You know, doing stuff out of sincerity or this empty void of whatever, doing the right thing or trying to do the right thing just because they know it is. And this is where we turn on our discernment and we acknowledge that God has given us the ability to take in this data to understand what's going on and to at the end of the day realize we do not give our pearls to the pigs and we save what is holy for the ones who will receive it and embrace it and follow through with it and whatever. So as, as a director of ministry, where I was struggling the most is the lives of a teenager are very complicated. And I know that. So when a student or even anyone is sharing with me what's going on in their life, especially in a school setting... I know within minutes of being with them, whether they genuinely want to be there getting help, they're trying to skip class, they're trying to just vent without wanting a solution, or if they just want to tell me about their destructive life and and hear me say, well, God loves you, it's okay, instead of convicting the behavior and teaching them the right way, To go about life. So, this is the discernment, and and any teacher would agree that this is the kind of things that we notice in our kids. And the truth of the matter is whether five of those people came in my office, five of those different cases or those different intentions of people came into my office or not, if all five were standing in front of me, I would love them all. But my love for them is contingent on what they need and how they are engaging with me and approaching me. So again, this is where things like tough love come in. You know, the student who's just trying to get out of class or whatever. Hey. This is a really great, interesting topic. Can I meet you at your lunch period and talk about it? Um, I think you really should get back to class, considering, you know, this is where you're at right now. Or, hey, did you have permission to leave your class before we get into this? I think we're going to be here a while. Oh, no, I didn't. Oh, okay, sorry, see ya. Stuff like that. And if the, there is the case where that person, in their complete sincerity, is at this low moment in their life, and they need to sit there and cry, then I take my author- my authority... And I engage with the teacher at that point and say, whatever. I'm not giving a podcast on how to be a teacher. I don't know why I'm going on about this. But to give this example, like, we need to know that as long as we love the people that we're dealing with, we sincerely love them, which we do, we're going to have to show up differently for them based off what they need. And it's, it's so universal about who Jesus was. Like, this is how... He approached people. This is how he engaged in conversations with people. And this is why he was so merciful with the sinners, because their heart was in the right place, versus these self-righteous religious wannabes who were like, well, I wash my hands before dinner, so I'm holy. And Jesus is like, actually, no, the girl, the woman sitting at my feet and washing my feet with her tears and her hair is more holy than you are. It's this disposition of heart. Where we judge, and I'm using the word judge very boldly here, we judge the condition of a person's heart because we know if they're sincere, we know if they're acting out of sincerity or if they're full of it or their words are empty or whatever. And this is the moral of every gospel passage that we encounter with Jesus from the minute he revealed himself at the wedding feast of Cana to the minute he took his dying breath. Because there were people who were following him through his crucifixion to mock him and spit him and make fun of him. But the person who hung on the cross crucified with him was this man who was crucified and said, I I deserved this punishment that I'm getting, but you didn't deserve yours. Oh my gosh, like forgive me for the thing that I did to get me crucified. And Jesus's words, because of the sincerity of that man's heart, were... On this day, you will be with me in paradise. Like, you're going to die, and guess what? You're going with me. And this beauty of Jesus being able to see that it wasn't the circumstance that made you holy. It wasn't the circumstance that was worthy of judging, but it was the quality and the disposition of that person's heart. So my words to you and myself, because I'm kind of teaching myself as as I record this podcast and just kind of confirming what I'm going through in my own life. And you have to understand that every, every time I record a podcast, it's me can be teaching something that I've learned so I, I can have the ability to, like, <clears throat> engrave it deeper into my mind. Again, any teacher listening to this knows that when you teach something, it's actually being engraved in you more than the kids most times. But if you're in a relationship or some type of friendship or even a romantic relationship where you're trying to discern... How to engage with this person or how to make right things that are going wrong or, you know, I don't know these people you're dealing with. Like, I don't know. I don't have any insight into these persons, lo- lo- in this person or these persons you're dealing with in their life. But, you do. So, if, if you really just, like, ask the Lord to come into your thoughts, ask the Holy Spirit to work in you. Because if you've received the gift of the Holy Spirit at your confirmation... You have the mind of Christ, period, game, set, match. And with that, do you know what that means? If you've received the Spirit in confirmation, that remains, drumroll please, that means you're not an idiot. That means you have really no excuse except that you haven't prayed and that you can just do it right there in that moment. So you're not an idiot. You know these people in your life and you're definitely supposed to grieve the loss, you're supposed to grieve the fact that these people didn't love you well, but create this space to not only grieve but to judge accurately the person with the same standard that you're judging yourself. So when i was dating these pigs ex as ex-boyfriends, like i was living this like beautiful life, like going to church and praying and And then I would go out to eat and grab a beer with him and his friends, and he'd be like, can you not talk about that part of your life? And I'd be like, what? And he'd be like, just don't bring that up with the boys. Like, we don't need to hear about that. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, sure, no problem two drinks in, I'm sitting next to his friend and he's like, what do you do for work? And I'm like, I bring people closer to God. And he's like, I want that in my life. And I turn and look over at my boyfriend. I'm like, I knew you would. Let me tell you about it. So it's this, this quality, this standard. Like if I had this standard for my life, this quality of life that I live by, abide by, I'm trying to do, do right by, and I can't judge you off of that same standard. I have this Standard of what a quality of relationship looks like. And I know I'm living up to it, but I know sure well that you're not. That's not the situation Jesus wants to leave us in, whether it's the friendships or the relationships. I don't care if you're the award-winning friend. If they're not, get out. I don't care if you're the girl that makes him so happy and he needs you in his mental health struggles and whatever he's going through. It doesn't matter. If he's not striving for the same standard of the relationship and the purpose of life and the values and beliefs that you have, he's not going to come through for you whether his mental health issues are healed or not. And that's something that I say to the students all the time because as women, we take on this nurturing role where we think we have to be there so much for the people that are going through stuff. But if we know that person's not sincere or capable or able to reconcile the things that have gone wrong and actually feel sorry for it, they're not worth our time and attention. And I hope that this makes sense because I don't ever look back and listen on these podcasts. But my point is, you're judging the way, the standard, the means by which you evaluate your life, and then applying that to the other person. So again, if you have certain standards for your future, like I did, to live a Christian life, but the person that you're in a relationship with is totally dismissing it and wants nothing to do with it, well, your judgment is true. It's time to leave, and then just pray for the courage to be able to leave. So again, don't just pay attention to the things that this person does or doesn't do, but actually consider them. Like you can name their shortcomings, but like ponder them, like name them accurately. Don't become blind to them because they're going to actually dictate what the future looks like with this person. And again, judging isn't naming yourself better than the person or more self-righteous. It's the ability that God has given you to discern good from evil. You have been given a great gift of discernment to take in this data about this other person and who they really are without condemning or punishing them, but accurately with the clarity and goodness, seeing what they're actually doing, and is this person capable of helping me strive to meet my needs and loving me well. And again, this applies to acquaintances, the person in the grocery store, the guy who cuts you off on the road, and even your deepest intimacies in life and your relationship with your family. So this is the kind of stuff that you can take to prayer, that you can take to your self-awareness, to the work you're doing, to work on yourself, whatever you call it, your healing journey, whatever it might be. But at the end of the day, if you keep engaging with people all at the same level and all in the same way, you yourself are going to fall into this powerlessness and hit a wall and there will be no room for you to grow and that person will stay very stagnant and, and almost attached to their way of living and your relationships will never get better. So no matter what you do... It will be done in love because sincerely and genuinely you'll love that person as innocent as a dove, but maybe some of us are being called to be as shrewd as snakes, and that doesn't mean go out and start like harassing people or whatever, but putting on that armor of fearlessness and saying... You know what? I've known this person for a really long time. There's some some things that I know are are off. I'm I'm disconnected and I need to I need to learn how to better engage with them.